Hallelujah to the Lamb. It's time for the Word of God. And so I'm going to ask if you would grab your Bibles and open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 8. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 6. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Genesis, chapter 8, beginning with the sixth verse, listen to what God's word says. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out a dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time... It did not return to him. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark. I want to preach about there is life after a storm. There is life after a storm. The word of God here in Genesis chapter 8 is teaching us how to live when the storm leaves. God sent a serious storm in Genesis chapter 6 and 7. And that storm did several things at the same time. It brought destruction to the violence and the corruption and the wickedness. And it brought discipline to those who were disobeying God. And that same storm brought development and direction to Noah and his family to get them to a high place like Mount Era. God is so wise that he could send one storm to one place and do several different things that need to be done in the lives of his people. And so it, it stormed for 40 days and 40 nights. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And then after it stopped raining, the floodwaters were there for another 150 days. Wait, it rained 40 days. The floodwaters were there 150 days, which means that the consequence of the storm lasted longer than the storm. And that's how life is, that you and I go through storms in our life. And oftentimes, even when the storm is over, we still have to deal with the aftermath of the storm. Uh, it was in August 2009 when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. And when it hit New Orleans, of course, that was a devastating storm, and the levees broke, and all the things that took place there. And really, the storm lasted eight days in New Orleans, eight days. But the aftermath lasted longer and longer. People got injured and hurt. Some people died. Businesses got shut down. Homes got destroyed. Churches got destroyed. It was, it was a mess. And some economists say that that Hurricane Katrina cost more than $200 billion worth of damage. So the storm lasted eight days, but it was the aftermath of the storm 
that continued to last even after the storm ended. That's how life goes. We all go through storms. I know I had a storm in my life in 2008. I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Praise God. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the God that heals. And when I had surgery, my surgery lasted for two and a half hours. But my recovery took two and a half months. So the consequence of my storm lasted longer than the storm itself. So as we deal with these storms, and these storms come and they go, we still got to deal with the aftermath of them. So in Genesis chapter 8, God is teaching us about, he's teaching us about post-storm principles. How do we live after the storm leaves? And, and praise God, the storm is going to leave. Storms come and go. Difficulties come and go. Hardships come and go. It's a trick of the enemy to make you think you're going to always be in the crisis that you're in. Listen. It took you a change to get in the situation. It'll take a change to get you out. You got to do like Job. All the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. And I know what your question is. Then how are we supposed to live as the storm leaves? Well, Noah teaches us that. He, this window that he put in the ark, uh, that window helps you and I to understand that we need to establish positive perception as we're coming out of our storm. We got to be careful what's going on in our mentality, our mindset. That window is actually a representation of worldview that he's on this ark and it's just one. It was actually one door on the ark and the one door was an indication that everybody who would get saved would have to come in through the same door. There would be one door to get saved. And in the 21st century, it's still one door to be saved. That, that door of salvation is just one door of salvation. You know, there is no Baptist door, or Pentecostal door, or Church of God in Christ door, or Presbyterian door, or Lutheran door, Catholic door. No, there's one door. Jesus said, I am the door. And the only way to get saved is to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Receive him by faith. But not only was there one door in the ark, it was one window. And God told Noah to put that window up high. Because in this 150-day quarantine, in this 150-day social isolation that Noah and his family was going through, they were going to want to look out. So God said, put the window up high so that when you look out, you have to look up. So their outlook was an up look. It's about worldview that when Noah look out from the ark to view the world. His worldview was an uplook. Y'all, we have to establish a positive perception. And you can have a positive perception even if you're in a negative predicament. You can be in a bad predicament and still have a good perception. You can, you can be around pessimistic people and still have a positive outlook. That's how we're supposed to live as the storm is leaving. That your vision, your perception, your worldview, when you look out, your outlook ought to be an uplook. Look unto the hills from which come up your help. Your help comes from the Lord. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. The Apostle Paul said, you can sit with Christ in heavenly places. We have to make sure that we establish a positive perception even when we're in a negative predicament. You want to know how we're supposed to live as the storm leaves, in Genesis 8, 
in verse 6, it says that Noah not only had a window, then he went and opened the window. After that 150-day quarantine, he opened the window. That's because we have to have, as we live beyond this storm, uh, we have to open windows of opportunity. That's what we need to do. The storm is not going to be here forever. And you and I need to open windows of opportunity. And I know some will argue with me that there are no opportunities. That, Pastor, you, you must not watch the news. You must not have anything to do with social media. You would know that the opportunities are closed. Businesses have shut down. Corporations have laid off. Even churches have shut down. That there are no opportunities. People are, are cutting back and laying people off. There are no opportunities. I disagree with you. I know that there are opportunities. I guarantee you there are opportunities because God builds in opportunities before storms even show up. Y'all, Noah didn't place the window in the ark during the storm. He didn't place the window in the ark after the storm. He built in the window before the storm took place because God is so wise and so awesome until he builds in windows of opportunity even before you and I go through our crisis. But the reason why Noah could take advantage of that is because he opened the window. Noah wasn't sitting around waiting on somebody else to show up to open that window for him because he knew nobody else is coming to open this window. You and I have to open that window for ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean don't register to vote. This doesn't mean don't vote. We need to do that. We need Christian people who will put the right people in office. We need to vote. We've already seen what happens when we don't vote. We need to vote. I don't believe in taxation without representation. We, you're going to tax me, and then I don't have a voice. Well, that vote is, is like my voice. And when we vote, we're putting politicians in place who make policies that impact people in community. And so we don't need politicians making policies that ignore communities of people of color. No, the same public resources that you're putting in other communities need to come to communities of people who are black and brown. So I'm not saying that. We, that, that's a part of the right that we have as we live here in America. Those resources need to come and empower and impact our community. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to stop sitting around waiting on somebody else to come around and open a window for opportunity for us. You need to open your own window of opportunity. And I know you can do it because God built it in before you even got in your storm. You already had an opportunity. Matter of fact, you're already a Christian. You already believe Jesus died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. You, God already built in opportunity before you got in your storm. Holy Spirit already lives inside of you. You have a spiritual gift in your life. God already built in opportunity that you think a certain kind of way. You operate a certain kind of way. You have gifts, gifts skills, and ability. You already have a built-in window of opportunity. You have love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and temperance and faith and self-control. You can open your own window. We can't stand around waiting on somebody else who are not going to come to come and open windows of opportunity for us. Madam C.J. Walker, our homegirl in, in, in Indianapolis, Madam C.J. Walker, uh, she, of course, was born in the 1800s. But in the early 20th century, 
She started her own business, her own company. It was actually a national business that she had headquarters here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she empowered women throughout this country. Madam C.J. Walker empowered women to have financial uh, self-sufficiency. But she didn't just have women working for her and salespeople. She had researchers working for her, scientists working for her, and real estate agents working for her. Uh, she, she really had it going on. And, and she became the first black female millionaire in the United States of America. And she didn't inherit her money either. She worked and got that money. And she was a powerful woman. And she did it in the face of overt racism and blatant sexism. And here's what Madam C.J. Walker said. Madam C.J. Walker says, that you can't wait on somebody to come around and give you an opportunity. She said, you got to create your own opportunity. Listen to what Madam C.J. Walker said. Stop waiting on somebody to come and give you a chance and create your own chance. James Brown, the hardest working man in music. James Brown says, I don't need anybody to give anything to me. Just open the door. I'll get it for myself. And when Senator Barack Obama was running for president of the United States of America, he said, yes, we can. Senator Barack Obama, who was running for president of the United States, said that the people who are coming to help us are us. Then he went on and won the presidency. Praise the Lord for that. And here's what I'm trying to tell you in the words of President Barack Obama, that the people who are coming to help us are us. We have to open our own window of opportunity. And I'm not saying this in a negative, self-centered, selfish kind of way that you just get your own and do your own. No, 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 no. When you open that window of opportunity for yourself, then you share that with somebody else. Noah opened that window and then he took a, a, a raven and allowed the raven to go through the window that he opened. Now the raven is flying high and the raven is going back and forth. But the only reason why the raven is flying as high as he's flying is because Noah opened a window of opportunity. He shared what he had with the raven. Pastor E.K. Bailey says that we have to use our advantages for the advantage of the disadvantage. And what I've seen is, is I tried to make myself available to God to build up the Arlington Woods community a community that has been one of the most economically deprived communities in our nation, oftentimes overlooked by resources that, that governments pour into other communities, but not Arlington Woods. One of the things I discovered as we enhance this community is there are those who use their advantages for the disadvantage of the disadvantage. Yo, those of us who are people of faith, who love God, who've accepted Jesus, Yes, create, open that window of opportunity for yourself and then allow other personalities to share that window with you. And Noah opened that window, let that raven fly out. And that raven was flying high. Then the raven flew back and forth. And then the raven took off and never came back to the faith community to help them make it. The only reason why the, the raven survived and thrived and flying as high as it was because of what Noah built. And Noah opened the window. And now the raven is back and forth, back and forth, never really making a commitment and refused to come back to the community to help him to fly that high. All of us know at least one somebody like that, the community that blessed and helped, sacrificed, poured into somebody, the community that led somebody to Christ and got somebody uh, leadership abilities and skills and helped to develop them. 
And then the moment they start flying high, they flew the coop and, and refused to come back to help the community that helped them make it. As a matter of fact, we don't even have to look at that in terms of ministry and community. Uh, some of you have, have done that. Uh, you opened a window of opportunity for somebody and you sacrificed and you poured into them and you gave them resources and helped them and encouraged them. And if you did all that for them, they just took off. It's almost like the, that raven just went along for the ride. And then as soon as they saw an opportunity, they flew the coop. And I, I know that there are those of you who have, you've blessed others and sacrificed and they went along for the ride. As soon as they saw an op opening, they took off and you have not seen them since. And some of us become so frustrated. That's your argument with me today. Well, pastor, I don't mind, but I can't help anybody anymore because I tried to help this raven and this raven just took all my stuff and took off and I'm not helping anybody else. No, that's not what Noah did. Noah didn't give up on everybody and everything because a raven didn't come back to the community that helped him. Uh, Noah just went and got another bird. Noah says, I'm not going to allow a raven from my past to keep me from blessing and benefiting a dove in my presence. He just went and got a dove and let that dove go out that window. Y'all, here's, here's what Noah understood. That, that even though that raven didn't do right, took off, didn't come back, God has got more than one bird. God is a God of diversity. God is a God of multiplicity. God is a God of variety. He's got more than one bird. Y'all, whatever happened on that job, you don't have to lose your mind. God has more than one job. Whatever went down with that house, God has more than one house. That car, God has more than one car. That man, that woman, God has more than one man. Or one. Don't allow some raven from the past that didn't do right by you to keep you from being blessed and being a blessing to a dove in your presence. Noah just went and got another bird. Now, we'll say this about Noah. He didn't go get another raven. He went and got a dove. He didn't go get the same kind of bird. He said, no, I know how ravens are now. I know how ravens act. I know how ravens think. I know the mentality of a raven, and I'm not going to let a raven do that to me. He went and got a dove this time because God is a God of diversity. He got different kinds of birds. And, and some of us get caught up in these vicious cycles, right? We pour into a raven, we bless a raven, and a raven dogs us. And then we go get another raven, and then that raven dogs us and misuses us, take off. Then we go get another. And the only thing that changes in some of our relationships and friendships are the names of the ravens. No, it's, it's time to make a change. You know how ravens are now. And Noah went and got a dove this time. But he didn't allow what happened in the past to keep him from being a blessing to others in the present. Because here's what Noah understood. I'm talking about these principles that we live by as the storm is leaving. Noah understood that sometimes God will send, will give you a dove to bless you but he will also remove a raven to bless. Y'all, sometimes God blesses by giving to you. Other times God blesses you by taking from you. Job said that the Lord God gave and the Lord God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord God gave? Yeah, blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord God took away? Yeah, blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes God will bless you by who and what he sends to you. But sometimes God will bless you by who and what he takes from you. Because Noah's life got better after that raven left. If you stop crying and complaining long enough, 
you may have this awareness <laughs> that your life will get better since the raven left. All of this issue, now you can't help anybody. You won't open a window for anybody. It, it, all the opportunities are for you. No, bless somebody else, regardless of what has happened in your past. I was uh, flying back from Dallas, Texas to Indianapolis, Indiana, and, and they canceled my flight. And when they canceled my flight, I went down to the baggage area because I had checked my bag and I was hoping to get my bag back. And before I left, they canceled my flight. Let me get my baggage back. So I go down to the baggage area and, uh, and the woman, I walk up to the woman at the counter. I said, ma'am, can you please help me to retrieve my baggage? They canceled my flight. And she said, sir, you see all these people standing around this empty baggage casale? I said, yeah. She said, um, those people have been waiting for two hours it's this storm that we've been going through that has us in a mess over here. They've been waiting two hours for their baggage. I said, ma'am, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I've been here for eight hours at this airport before y'all canceled my flight. And I, I don't, I, I just want one bag. I said, can you, I said, do you even know where my baggage is right now? She said, your baggage is probably downstairs. I said, well, ma'am, since you know where it is, can you just send somebody downstairs to get it? She said, sir, I'm going to just be honest with you. You're probably not going to get that baggage back tonight. And, and that storm that it transpired kept me. Matter, here's what the storm did. It separated me from my baggage. And some of us have some emotional baggage and some psychological baggage from some raven in the past or some storm situation. And, and maybe God allowed a storm to separate you from that emotional and psychological baggage. So Noah said, no, I'm, I'm still going to open this window of opportunity. I'm going to, the, the raven didn't do me right, but I'm going to bless this, this dove. And he opened that window, allowed that dove to go out. And I love this story. It says that, this is all in Genesis chapter 8. And the dove went out, and now the dove is flying high. Then the dove comes back to the ark. And then Noah waits seven days, and he sends the, the dove out again. And then the dove comes back. This time the dove comes back with a twig in its beak. And then Noah waited seven more days. And then Noah sent the dove out yet again. And then the dove this time stayed away. And I love this because Noah is teaching us about these, these post-storm principles to live by. How do we li live as the storm is leaving? We have to do it with patience. That, that Noah, it it took you more than a night to get you in the storm. It's going to take you more than a night to get you out of this storm, too. And Noah was very patient. He opened that window. The dove left, came back. He waited seven days. Dove comes back with a twig. He waits seven more days, send the doves. He's very patient, even in the predicament that he finds himself in, because it didn't happen overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. And he's very patient with the process. He had a plan and a process because Noah said, I don't want to allow my family to get out of this quarantine and this social isolation too soon because I'll make it worse even after the storm is over. So he says, I'm going to be patient. That's my counsel to you and to our leaders that are making these decisions that you can't hurry, God. No, you just got to wait. You got to trust and give him time no matter how long it takes. He's a God you can't hurry. Y'all, God may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, mounted with wings as eagles run and not be weary, walk and not faint. We have to be patient in the process while God is, 
helping us to live even as the storm is leaving. And not only with the process, but be patient with other personalities. Be patient with other people. Noah, you're not the only one that's been through the storm. These birds that you're dealing with, they've been through the storm too. I can't imagine what the mentality of that dove must have been out of coming through that storm. So watch how patient Noah is with the dove. He sends the dove out and the dove comes back, flies around, comes back empty-handed with nothing. I want to say this about that dove, though. At least that dove kept coming back to the community that saved him. At least he kept coming back to the community that helped him. At least he kept coming back to the community that opened that window for you to fly that high. And he came on back. And, and But he came back empty-handed. And then Noah didn't just discard that dove and go get another bird. No, he said, I'm going to give you another. I'm going to be patient with you coming out of this storm. I wish we could learn that. You're not the only one in crisis. Other people are going through too, and we don't know what that's doing to their mentality and their heart and their theology. We have to be patient. And Noah sent the same dove back out again because Noah knows most birds don't get it right on the first try. <laughs> and, and let me say from the dove's perspective that you need to be patient with yourself. Some of us are so hard on ourselves. We go out, and here's what it says, and the dove went out, flew around, came back, and he came back empty-handed because he couldn't find anywhere, the text says, to perch. He couldn't find anywhere to set his feet. Couldn't find anywhere for stability, to be stable. So he came back to the ark. And, and most of us, I don't, when we look at people who are successful, who've made it and all that kind of stuff, man, they didn't, most, most folk didn't get it right on the first try. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself time for God to do what he wants to do in your life. And I told my sons, I said, please don't try to start off with me and your mom uh, left off. Mom and I have been married for 33 years. And the way we live and the way we operate and the house we live in, that's not where we're started. Matter of fact, that's not our first house. That's our last house. Don't try to start where we're stopping. Be patient and allow God to develop you and work you through time. So the dove comes back empty-handed, and Noah's so patient with him. Sends him back out again. This time the dove comes back with a twig in his mouth. Noah waits seven more days, sends him back out, and then the dove doesn't come back. I love this dove because he keeps coming back to check on the community that helped him to survive and to fly as high as he's flying. And then he brought something back for him. He brought him a twig. So the next time he took off, he didn't, he didn't come back. But at least he brought something back to the community to help them to make it until y'all see me again. And y'all, and I know somebody saying, well, Pastor, he didn't bring very much back. He just brought a little twig from a tree somewhere, and that's all he brought back to the ark. No, I don't know why we, we have such low appreciation for little things. Yo, we got to have a, a, a bigger appreciation for little things. Because when you take little things and put them in the hand of a big God, God can do some big things with it. That little twig means so much. That little twig is anticipation. That little twig is expectation. That little twig is hope. We've been through a storm. It's been rough out here. But now we see that we can bloom again, we can blossom again, we can grow again, we can have life after this. It's a trick of the enemy to make you think that you're finished, you're done. 
Look at all that happened to you in this storm. It stormed for 40 days and 150 days of quarantine. That life is, oh, you lost so much. No, that little twig is an indication God is not through with you. That you can blossom and bloom. Don't have such a low appreciation for little things. It was, it was, it was Moses that had a little staff. But that little staff allowed him to deliver Two million people out of bondage in Egypt and open the Red Sea and bring him victories in war because that little staff in the hands of a big God made a big difference. It was David as a youngster. He had a little slingshot, but that little slingshot in the hand of God brought him victory over Goliath and victory to the children of Israel because little things in the hand of a big God can do amazing things. Samson had a little jaw of a donkey. And he used that to overcome 1,000 Philistines. That little jaw donkey in the hand of a big God did amazing. That boy had two little pieces of fish, five little pieces of bread, and he put it in the hands of a big God, and God did amazing things with it. Somebody right now, there's ministry that you see that's doing great work. And God has spoken to you to invest in that ministry, to do, make a contribution, do something. And you looked at your little gift and you said, God, this is nothing but a twig and a beak. And my gift is so little that if I give in the, in the midst of all of this crisis, the needs have expanded. People are going through. Look at what our church is doing, some amazing things. If I give this little twig, this little gift that I have, that they won't appreciate it. And if I don't give it, they won't miss it. No, you don't understand how God takes little things that you give from your heart and he does big things. I used to be like that in my own life. Man, I used to have such a, a small little appreciation for the gift God has given to me. And finally, through the power of his Holy Spirit, I had an aha moment. And I took my little gift and put it in the hands of a big God. And God has done some amazing things. Don't you sleep on that little twig in the beak of that dove. That's anticipation. That's expectation. That's hope. That now we can blossom again. We can bloom again. We can live even after this storm has left. We're going to be all right. That's what that twig meant. Don't sleep on that. That's very important. That's very significant. Um, when when President Barack Obama was voted in as the president of the United States, we all got excited. We praised God for that. And that was really a miracle. It was amazing. And when he was president of the United States, there were surveys and polls that were being taken on a national level. And, and people were asking in the polls and the surveys, do you believe that racism is over? Because now we have a black man in the White House. And some people honestly believe that because we have one black man in the White House, that racism was, now we see racism definitely ain't over. But when Barack Obama was the president, people were, were asking, do you believe racism is over? Because of one black man in the White House? No, it's not over. We had one black man in the White House, but we had one million black men in prison. One black man in the White House, but one out of every three black men having to deal with the penal system. No racism is not dead. One black man in the White House, but double-digit unemployment for so many black males throughout this nation. No racism is not over. One black man in the White House, but even though 
black people make a small percentage of the population in the United States of America, but black people have a high percentage of those with the coronavirus and those dying from the coronavirus. No, racism is not over because one black man in the White House. But pastor, why were you all so excited then with this one black man in the White House? In, in, in light of all that was going on in the world, that was like a twig in the beak of a dove. <laughs> You're exactly right. But that twig in the beak of a dove gave us hope that yes, we, we can transcend racism. Yes, we can transcend social injustice. Yes, we can go from poverty to prosperity. Yes, we can go from being uneducated to being very educated. It, oh, it was hope for us. It's expectation for us. And thank God that there are doves that when they take off and when they fly high, that they come back and bless the community that helped them to get there. Let me give you one more. How do we live as the storm is leaving? Well, the way we need to live is with the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. The presence and power of God's Holy Spirit. Yes, you're not going to make it without this Holy Spirit. But I don't care what you're going through. When you have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you can sail through any storm. You can survive the storm. You can thrive even after the storm when you have the powerful presence of God's Holy Spirit. When you believe Jesus out on the cross and you believe God is raised him from the dead, you receive him by faith. At that moment, his Holy Spirit moves inside of you. And as you yield to the power of his Holy Spirit, he fills you, influences you, controls you. Now you can survive and thrive even after the storm leaves. Pastor, that sounds good, but I don't really see that in Genesis chapter 8. Yes, you do. You see it because what I've been preaching to you in Genesis chapter 8 are really representations of God's Holy Spirit. That dove that came back and blessed that ark, that dove represents the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, uh, that the heavens opened and the Spirit descended like a dove and sat on Jesus. The dove represents the powerful presence of God's Holy Spirit. And that twig that was in the dove's mouth that twig wasn't just from any tree. It was from an olive tree, the text says. And olive trees produces olives. And olives produce olive oil. And oil represents the powerful presence of God's Holy Spirit. And in Genesis 8, it talks about that wind came through and that wind dried up that, that flood that had taken place. Wind represents the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, 120 disciples in that upper room praying and on one accord. And that's when there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And they were all filled with God's Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do it. Wind represents the Holy Spirit. The dove, that olive branch that produces olives and olive oil, that wind Helps you and I to understand no matter how bad the storm, we're going to survive. We're going to thrive. We're going to make it. We'll be able to live right afterwards because of God's Holy Spirit. I want to close like this because I know that a lot of people are going through a lot of issues with this, with this crisis that we're in, this storm we've been going through. A lot of hardship and disease and issues on the job and finance and things with our family. And sometimes we think that God has forsaken us. Let me see if I can help you as I close this. 
I was, I told you a little bit, I was in Dallas, Texas, and actually I went to receive an honorary doctorate from Paul Quinn College. And when I went to receive the honorary doctorate, they asked me if I could come and receive it in person at the commencement. I said, I can, I know your commencement's on Saturday, but I gotta be able to get back to our church. I gotta preach on that Sunday morning at our church. And they said, Pastor, the, the, the convocation is in, in the morning. The commencement's in the morning at 11 o'clock. This is Dallas. We got, we got American Airlines, we got a hub to get you back straight on back to India. I said, okay, let me check out the time. I checked the times. I go down. I'm honored. I received the honorary doctorate. And then I get to the airport. My flight was at 3.40 p.m. I get to the airport at 2.20 p.m. At 2.30, I get there early enough so I could take my time and walk to my gate. I get to my gate. They delayed my flight. My flight was at gate A12. They delayed it from 3.40 to now 4.30. I'm not sweating. I got time to eat. So I went and got something to eat, came back. And now they delayed the flight to even later. And they moved the gate from A12 to C24. So now I had to leave that concourse. And then I had to get on that little tram and go all the way down to the C concourse. And I go to gate C24. And I, I sat there a while. Then they delayed the flight to 7 p.m. And and then after they delayed it to 7 p.m., then they delayed it to 8 p.m. Then at 8 p.m., they canceled the flight. I'm still not sweating that I can still get back because there was a 10 p.m. flight. That's the last one to leave. I already knew that. I didn't know what was going to happen at Paul Quinn College. So at 10 p.m. flight, I have a seat on it. Everything is going to be all right. Now it's back at gate A21. So I have to leave the C concourse, go back to where I started at A. And when I get to the gate, now it's after 10 p.m., they canceled the flight. My flight is canceled. The next flight is at 3.40 p.m. the next day. The same flight I was on on that Saturday. Now it's on Sunday. So they canceled the flight. And I was frustrated, but I wasn't mad at the airline. And you know why I wasn't mad at the airline? Because they were not delaying my flight and moving me from gate to gate and concourse to concourse and canceling flight. They weren't doing that because they were trying to frustrate me. They were doing that because they were trying to get me in the position that when the storm ends, then we'll have you in a position to take off. And, and y'all, this crisis that you've been going through and this storm that we've been facing, and you've had delays and cancellations and gate changes in your life and going from here to there and doing this and that and job to job and all, Yo, God is not doing that to frustrate you. God is doing that to position you that when this storm is over, you'll be able to take off. And that's exactly what the airline did for me. I had to wait. I had to be patient. But when the storm ended, they had me in a position to take off to get to my destination. That's what God is doing in your life right now. When this storm is over and it will end, just got to be patient. God is going to have you in a position to get you to a destination you would not have been able to take off for had it not been for your storm. So I'm with Kurt Franklin. You don't have to worry, and don't you be afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Trouble don't last always. There's a friend named Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, I know that I can make it. And I promise you, that you can stand because your life 
is in the hand of God. Amen.